Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. So glad you're here. It's so cold outside. Guys, I was on the beach like two days ago. It was 80 degrees. I got a sunburn. I walked off the plane last night at like 7 p.m. and my tan fell off. I saw it fall. Not really, but it's that cold. Well done. You made it. Put your hands together on this cold day. Hey, we're also glad for everyone online joining us. Um, We're a little mad at you that you stayed home cozy and warm, but we still love you. So really glad you guys are here. Excited to kick off a brand new series today called Life Beneath the Surface. You guys excited? It kind of started on like a brooding note. You guys notice that? It's not exactly, I didn't didn't prepare myself. My, my, My intro level was up here and that video was like serious life formation. So my bad, I have to work on my intro. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us on this very cold day. Happy New Year to you. Hey, last week uh, we had our first gathering of the year and we had one of our church planters, Bryson McGuire, speaking. Can we give it up for Bryson? He did a great job. If you missed it, you can go check it out on our podcast, our YouTube channel. Today we are starting a brand new series um, that's going to cover a lot. I'll, I'll get into it in just a moment, but It'll go kind of past Easter, so we do a lot of work together as a church moving into the new year, um, and we're so really excited about where we're going, but a couple of quick just intro notes for you. Also, heads up, Jess did a great job at uh, giving you the heads up, but right, she did. I like all the woos. Hey, thanks for, you know, you kind of fill the gaps. It's a little lighter today with cold and the snow and all that in the room, and so you got to kind of fill it in, okay? So your lips aren't frozen together, so help, help us out a little bit. Talk back with me. It encourages me. Um, okay, so... Growth Track is right after the service. Some of you have already signed up. We're glad for you. We always prep for extra people in Growth Track. Uh, It's 30 minutes of your time right after the service, and we would be honored for you to stick around, even if you didn't sign up. You're not obligated to anything. You're not signing up for anything for life. Um, There's no payment plan of $9.99 a month, any of that stuff, hassle-free guarantee. But it is a great way to figure out a little bit more about just who we are, how to get plugged in, how to take next steps. And so if you're interested... Right after the service, 12 to 12.30, we would love to have you in Growth Track. Find myself or one of our staff members in the lobby, and then we'll show you just in our community room in the back is where we're meeting. You guys good with that? All right, great. Okay, so Happy New Year. Um, is, the, is the phrase New Year, New Me still being used anywhere? I haven't seen it in a long time. Do you guys remember that? Like, like I can't remember like when it was ro- like a big deal. New Year, New Me. No? Okay, so I figured it's a bit cliche, maybe a bit outdated, but... I was thinking about it as we entered into this new series and this new year, and, and it's like almost biblical. I don't know where you're walking in on your spiritual journey. So glad you're here, whether you're like kind of outside looking in, you grew up around the church, you've never been to church at all, this is your first time, second time, you're not sure what you believe about Jesus, maybe you had some terrible experiences with the church or Jesus followers, maybe you've grown up in it and you kind of love it, but maybe it's just kind of plateaued and it's kind of stale and you're just trying to figure out where you are, wherever you are on your spiritual journey. We're so glad you're here. You're loved, safe, and welcome, and our desire is to help you take some next steps, wherever that might, whatever that might mean for you in getting you to Jesus. Now, as we talk about the new year, new me, bit cliche, kind of outdated, almost biblical concept, here, here's the idea. And whenever this phrase came out, it always kind of assumed you're going into the new year with the intention of becoming someone, right? 
Like it's the idea of like, every, and, and it's, and I feel like the new year thing has fallen off. Like people don't, I don't, is anyone renewing their memberships at the gym? Is it even a, I don't feel like there's any hustle in the new year like there used to be. Used to be like, like that first couple of weeks in the gym and I mean every machine's being used and no one's cleaning it and some of the sweaty armpits were on it before I got on there. And so now I don't feel like that's happening. Like we're not like, ah, oh, it's just a new year. <laughs> Same me, I'm, I'm cool. I don't really. So the idea was new year, new me was this idea that, that, I'm going to become someone new in the new year. That, that some of the things I was working toward, like, hey, it's a fresh start. It's a clean slate. Let's, like, dream a little bit. Have a little vision of who we are becoming. And it assumes the intention of becoming, that you're being formed into someone. And, and obviously, it kind of assumes that you have an idea of who you want to become. We are all becoming someone. Everyone in the room, whether we're doing it on purpose or not, we are becoming someone, and whether it's intentional or not, that, that's the challenge. And when we leave our formation, who we are becoming, the character arc of our life, not, not like tomorrow because it's so short-sighted, but a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, who we are becoming, if it's not intentional and if it's left to assumption, it probably won't be who we want to be. One day, you and I, we're going to wake up and we're going to realize we have become someone. And, and you've probably had a couple of those stages already, depending on where you are in, in your life. If you're in middle school, maybe, maybe you're first just now hitting like the, okay, this is who I'm becoming. And maybe when you got to college, you had a round two of like, this is who I'm becoming. Or your first time in a career, or your first time in a serious relationship, or, or wh wherever your life stages take you, you look up and you're realizing, okay, I'm becoming someone. Have you ever looked up and realized that some of the things you become are not exactly what you were after? Anybody else? Okay, right, like you can talk with me. It helps because otherwise it's just me up here who needs to work on myself. And, and while that's true, it would make me feel better if I wasn't the only one. And so we look up and like sometimes like, wait, like, whoa, look at the progress we made. And other times you're like, how did I get here? And why am I such an angry person? Why am I so impatient? Where did that come from? Where did this addiction come from? Where did my lack of capacity for deep relationship fall off the wagon? Where did my fear of community come from? Right? You look up and you're like, where did, this, where did this come from? This series is going to look at the arc of our lives, do some backwards work, some forwards work, some now work. But as we look at our lives over the course of the next year, it, it is it is probably a terrible idea to assume that the character arc of your life, just assuming, it's probably true that everybody in the room has the intention of becoming like more loving, uh, uh, maybe more patient, more kind, like, like there's just some virtues that probably everyone in the room, like you wouldn't be mad if you looked up and you were more patient. Like you, know, you get to January and you're like, or uh, January of next year and you're like, dang it, I'm more patient. You're like the Grinch. It's like, oh, three sizes, no. Anybody still in the Christmas? I got, I got my Christmas tree up in my house still, guys. It's, we're still hanging on, okay? So, so yeah, I doubt anyone's going to get to the end of the year and like, oh, I, I, I'm more patient and more, I can't believe that happened to me. So odds are, there's some things in your character formation that, that you wouldn't be upset that happened. But if we leave it to assumption, if we just like kind of let life happen to us over the next year, there's a very unlikely chance that your character arc in life is going to be up and to the right. Would you agree? Right? It's just not likely without intentional effort. John Mark Homer says that there are no accidental saints. <laughs> I like that. Some of you are like, I have no desire to be a saint. <laughs> I, I feel that. I feel that. But the idea is the virtues that we're talking about, becoming a person of love. Odds are you want that for yourself and those around you. And so th there's definitely a new me as we step into 2024. 
If you look at over the, over the course of the last year, you have been formed deeply over the course of a year. A lot of times it's really hard to, to take the time to really see it if we don't slow down and do the work of looking back. But you're, you're a new me in the room. Congratulations, maybe. We'll see, right? You know, I don't know, I don't know. But, but what if it's not the me that you want to be? Or what if you're not even sure of who you're wanting to become? What if you don't have a vision of like, yeah, this is where I'm going? What if it's just the grind of barely staying alive, head above the water, making ends meet? I was talking to, to uh, one of my friends recently uh, who grew up as an ethnic minority, and we were just talking about, hey, like, what, what, what have you been, been your dreams growing up? And, and, and he said something that kind of floored me. He's like, I mean, honestly, uh, in the spaces that I grew up in, I've never really had the privilege of dreaming. And I was like, dang, I, ne- I never, I never considered, considered that, but who we're becoming, how much thought are we giving to it, and, and, and do we have a picture? You see, Jesus cares deeply about not only who you are, but who you're becoming. And, and what we need to understand about Jesus is he doesn't force formation. And some of you have been exposed to versions of following Jesus, and it kind of feels forced, and shoving th- things down your throat, and it's kind of legalistic, and follow the rules, and God might not strike you with a lightning bolt, whatever, like, version of, of that you've been exposed to, or just a really judgmental nature of the community around you, like, fit this mold and this shape, and then you're loved and safe and welcome. So, so that's not, J- Jesus is deeply concerned, or, or rather, cares deeply about who we're becoming, but it's not a forced formation, it's an invitation into relationship to be with him through that process. And so we're all going to wake up one day and we'll realize that we have become a certain kind of person, a certain kind of husband, a father, a friend, a son, a daughter, a student, a boss, an employee. We're going to look up and realize we've become someone. The question is, is it going to be who we want it to be? And if you're like me, you've had a couple of moments when you've already looked back and said, that's not exactly what I was after. I've been reflecting on, on this new year, and I'm like, you know what, there's some, there's some amazing things that God has done in my life over the last year, where I partnered with Jesus, and there was some deep formation in my life. But there's some other things that I neglected to allow him to touch, and I find myself continually frustrated that that is still in me and still being worked out. You see, the primary in- influencing factors on your life of who you're becoming are, are not good intentions, and it's, it's not the, the even the 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 culture around you on its own, but it's your rabbi. Everyone in the room, you have a rabbi. And if you don't know what, Jesus was a rabbi. Yes, he's God in the flesh, all of that, but he was also a rabbi, a teacher, inviting people into a way of life, not just an information transfer. Everyone in the room, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you are a disciple, as, as uh, Jesus uses in the scriptures, or a better translation of that for our modern time might be apprentice. You are apprenticing under someone or something consistently, whether it's intentional or not. Most of us are accidentally apprenticing to social media feeds and, and uh, uh, spheres of influence from, from our community around us and the world around us, or maybe our family of origin. There's lots of formation and apprenticing happening that we're not giving thought to. But what it means to be a, an apprentice, a follower, a, a disciple of someone or something is that our attention and our affection are aimed at someone or something. So my question for you and I this morning, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, is, is where are your, where's your attention and your affections aimed as you, as you walk into this new year? Like, have you given that thought? Because it's so easy to just kind of let life happen to you. The problem is we will be formed whether we want it or not. 
and we have the opportunity for it to be intentional. Jesus' primary invitation was not, listen to me. And, and this, is, this is one of the crux of the West, is we love information. Information is power, and we think the more information we have, which is great, the, the more educated we are to make decisions, that's all true. But information on its own is not enough to form us, is it not? Right? How, how many of you know, you're familiar with a couple of workout plans that could lead to total body transformation? P90X, let's go. What was the other one? What was the uh, insanity? You guys remember insanity? You can freaking do it. You remember that? No, okay. Sean T, he was, he was always very sweaty, but he looked good. Um, right, you, have the, you know, but just because you have information, does it mean that you look like Sean T? Some of you are like, yeah, I do. <laughs> well, way, way to go, you. But odds are information alone doesn't lead to transformation. That's, that's true of your external body, and it's true of your, of your internal character. Information alone does not transform us, and it's true of a lot of things. Jesus doesn't invite us. The primary invitation wasn't listen to me, learn from me in the sense of information transfer. His invitation was follow me. Follow me. You see, uh, the, 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 the West that we live in, we were really good at elevating the truth of Jesus, the idea of who Jesus is and what he came to do, that that information side is elevated, but sometimes it is, it is divorced from the way of Jesus. So you have the truth of Jesus that a lot of people are familiar with, and a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm down with the truth of Jesus. That's cool. God loves me, wants to save me, give me life now and forever, whatever. That sounds great. But then there is married to that invitation, the way of Jesus. And we have somehow magically in the West done a really good job of separating the two. And so there's a really good chance that you know someone who, who cognitively is in alignment with the truth of Jesus, but then the way of Jesus might not be worked into their life like you think it should. Or maybe that's true of you today. Like it's true of me many times. Barna did a study uh, uh, 10 years ago, uh, and I believe it was 84%, they, they did a survey of, of people who were not followers of Jesus, and 84% of them said that they knew someone who was a follower of Jesus, knew, knew someone who identified as a Christian. And that same 84% said that of, of the people that they knew, only 15% answered that the people that they knew who were following Jesus had a life that they thought was appealing or worth living. So, so 84%, yeah, I know someone who claims to be following Jesus, but only 15% of them said that there was anything about their life that was desirable. They didn't have any, they, it, there wasn't, it was a disconnect. They said to believe one thing, but their life looked exactly like mine, so why would I step into that? So Jesus, when he looks at you and I and he says, follow me, we have to consider the invitation. Where is my affection and my attention aimed? Or rather, what, what am I currently captivated by? And, and it could be anything, right? All kinds of things are forming us. It could just be that, that, you know, you're looking forward to the next drink to take the stress off of the day. It could be our social circles and our friend groups trying to stay in or trying to keep up with whatever appearances we need. It could be dating, singleness, marriage, kids, all these different things that we're pursuing after that are taking our attention and our affection. It could be following the rules that you grew up around rule following in such a way that you've lived your life so neatly coloring in the lines that you don't even know if you've ever truly lived. And you're like, I don't know anything other than this. It could be that just the next vacation is what you're hanging your attention and affection on in order to escape all of the burden of life. It could be the next weekend, the next adventure, the next time to hit the mountains. It could be all kinds of good and fine things. 
The problem is all of those good things make really, really poor rabbis. When we set our attention and our affection on something, you will become like the things that your heart, your attention, your affection are set on, for better or worse. And so when we hear the term rabbi, when we think about Jesus, he was a first century rabbi, and the invitation to follow him was this wide open door for anyone, no matter their spiritual journey. In fact, tons of religious people were totally offended by Jesus because it was only the elite that got to follow a rabbi, and Jesus opened the door for anyone. And they were massively upset about it. And so this wide open door, follow me, was for anyone, but it also included a narrow way a way of following Jesus. Because to follow a rabbi in the first century meant three things. You were going to be with your rabbi, you were going to become like your rabbi, and you were going to do what your rabbi did. It wasn't just learn, sit at feet, information transfer from a rabbi, it was literally life formation, apprenticeship under that rabbi. And so Jesus steps onto the pages of human history as a rabbi with a vision of life with God and life right now. Not not just something that happens when you die, but the best good life that you were created for right now. And he says, follow me. And that invitation is something you should be familiar with at this point. It is to be with Jesus and become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. So listen, if you're, if you're new to following Jesus, new to you know, Jesus and church and Christianity, or, or you kind of stepped away and come back and you're just wrestling with it all, we have to continually come back to what did Jesus mean when he said, follow me? Did he mean go to church, be a good person, give it a little bit of money, and, and like try not to use curse words except for when you hit your toe really hard, then it's permissible? That was funny. Guys, you can laugh. It's, right? Like, what, what is the invitation? The invitation from Jesus is relationship. Be with Jesus become like Jesus and do what he did. And it does involve learning. It has to, right? It has to involve reshaping the mental maps in our world. It has to do that. But it has to go past what we think and know into who we become and how we live. And so in this series, we're going to take the next two weeks, so this week and next week, to cast vision and set the stage. Uh, And then we're going to take a deep dive into being with and becoming like Jesus. And then we're going to do a series after Easter on doing the Jesus stuff. But we're going to be covering all kinds of formation, who you're becoming. And it's going to be helpful. It's going to be stuff like the spiritual disciplines that we spend a lot of time on, these practices that help get into our DNA, who we're becoming. But it's also going to deal with stuff like anger. Maddie's going to be speaking on anger in a few weeks. Let's go. She's the most angry person I know. That's a joke. She actually is not, but it's, re- it's going to be really good. Uh, she's in City Kids serving today, so don't tell her I said that. Um, and then, and then we're going to de- deal with uh, grief one week. We have Dr. Tamara Powell coming to talk on grief in a few weeks. If you guys don't know, she's a genius. She's incredible. She's going to come and speak to us on grief. Uh, we're going to de- be dealing with anxiety. Uh, we're going to be dealing with our past and our present. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a laser-focused time of becoming, who we're becoming, who we already are, how we became, who we are today, all that stuff. So it's going to be really good over the next, like, three months. Um, really excited for what God has for us this year. But today... I simply want to remind you of who we are, to cast vision for the new year, and then maybe for the first time for you to invite you into this family and, and what God is doing. Um, so, so maybe it's, it's joining the, the, this family and this mission for the first time, and it also might be rejoining and recommitting. And I think it's helpful to look at the scope of a year and say, okay, let's continue in this. Each, each uh, semester, we have city groups that start back up, and you recommit to that community. 
It's a time to intentionally make a volitional decision of your own. So a quick reminder, we exist to help people find their way to God from where they are. That's our mission. It's why we exist. It's the hill we die on. It's why Jesus came from heaven to earth, to help people find their way to God from where they are. And we do that by practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder, by practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder. This is why we exist, and this is how we live it out. Now, let me show you from the life of Jesus this pattern. You guys ready? Mark chapter 3. Uh, the, the Bibles and the seatbacks in front of you are a gift to you. Journals there as well. There's a bunch of resources in the lobby for you as well, all to serve you and help you. So however we can help you, we're glad to. Um, Mark chapter 3. Let me show you. This is incredible. We see this over and over again in the life of Jesus. I want you to see it. Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to them those who he wanted. Or a, another translation in the Greek would translate that word wanted as those whom he desired. This incredible relational drive from Jesus. And they came to him. There's a response from those that he calls. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him. So this is the start of Jesus' motley crew. It's incredible. But he appointed 12 that they might what? Be with him. You see it? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus and do what he did. That we receive the love of God and it changes us from the inside out. He appointed 12 that they might go to church. He appointed 12 that they might give some money monthly and feel better about themselves. He appointed 12 that they might say a few prayers and read the Bible every now and then and not feel so bad about what they did on the weekend. He appointed 12, what? That they might be with him. Do you see that? Why? Why? Because he wanted them. He desired them. This is, this is profound. That the first thing you need to understand about Jesus is that he desires a relationship with you. The God of the universe stepped out of heaven, wrapped in flesh, so that you could have a relationship with him. It is amazing. But he doesn't stop there. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and so that he might send them out to preach. That, that word can be translated proclaim. So don't get stuck in like what I'm doing right now. This is teaching, and this, is, this, this, this can include that for sure, but it literally means to go out and proclaim, to make known. You talk about what you love, don't you? Have you guys seen the new Loki series? It's so good. If you haven't, it's awesome. Danielle and I finished it, and I was like, whoa! I won't ruin it, because there's so much going on, but you talk about the things that you love, and so what does he do? They, they receive the love of God, and he sends them out to proclaim, to talk about the things that they love. It's a natural response, and check it out, to have authority to drive out demons to do the Jesus stuff, if you will. Authority, whose authority? His authority. It's really cool. Jesus is the one sending them out. It's not, it's not, they don't work themselves up like, oh, we gotta go to the Jesus stuff. They're like, dude, we get to do the Jesus stuff. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. We get to gather and we get to go into a city group and we get to go out and serve and love our neighbors and we get to be around people who look nothing like us and think nothing like, the, like us and behave nothing like us and do nothing for us and we get to love them and serve them. We get to love our neighbors and strangers and enemies. Woo! Right? You're like, that, no, nah. New year, old me. <laughs> That's where I want to stay. This is amazing. Now, here, here's why we're here. Because Jesus went up on a mountain and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him so that they might be with him. This four-letter word that gives a lot of significance to your existence, with. 
It's a massively profound word. It's one of the most important aspects of your life, who you are with, right? You can have all kinds of experiences and stuff. You can live the American dream to its highlighted most. But on your highest highs and your lowest lows in life, the most important thing is going to be who is with you. Would you agree? At the end of your life, you're not going to sit there and ask for your resume and your degrees and your set of skis and, and, and your trophies and your accolades. You're going to care about who's around you, who is with you. At the highest highs, who is with you. At the lowest lows, who is with you. What truly matters is who is with you. And, and this is an incredible, incredible moment that we realize that Jesus wants to be with us. You see, this desire is what wrecked me. I, I, I'd heard about Jesus and God a couple times growing up. Been to church a few times. It was always a terribly boring experience. And I just was like, dog, that is not it for me. Pray a prayer, go to heaven when you die. That sounds cool. But anything else becoming like, nah, it's not really, not, not for me. And at 15 years old, right before my 16th birthday, I was exposed to, I, I think, the full picture of the love of God like we're talking about today. I'd heard pieces, but never the full picture. That I, I don't know that I would have said I needed God. I, I, don't, I don't know that I felt that way. I wasn't looking for God, but I discovered that God was looking for me. I found out at 15 years old that Jesus desired me. I wasn't scared into following Jesus. I wasn't threatened. I wasn't coerced. I wasn't manipulated. Someone told me that God loved me. And they also showed me that God loved me through the way that they treated me. And it was in a very simple, un, you know, miraculous, normal community in this little church in the middle of nowhere, Texas, where I came in, into an encounter with the love of God for me, that he desired me. And you know what? I found out that that. There was something in me that wanted God. I just didn't know it. I was looking for something, and it turns out everything I was looking for was actually found in God. I just didn't know it at the time. I wasn't looking for God. I didn't want God, but that he wanted me is what got my attention. And ever since that moment, 7-19-05, Jesus has been with me. And I've been following Jesus at this point for 18 years of my life. And here's what, I, I don't know a lot of things, okay? I, I don't know a lot of things. There's tons of things I'm so massively unsure about. There's tons of things still to be formed in me and challenging things and hard things. And all of that is still true as, as I walk with Jesus. But here's the reality. I am 6,741 days to this day more certain that nothing in this life matters more than Jesus. You see, the reward of the spiritual life, the benefit of what we're talking about today is, is not even our character formation, it's Jesus himself. We, we, we say it like this, that the best part of following Jesus is Jesus. And I am 6,741 days and counting more certain that that is the most important reality of the human condition, to be with 
Jesus. To, to be a disciple, an apprentice, a follower of Jesus means at some point this has happened to you, that you made a volitional decision to respond to God's love for you, to follow, to choose, to be with Jesus, right? That they came to him. He called out of his desire and they responded. Your parents can't do this for you even if they tried. Grandparents can't do this for you, although they probably prayed you into it, which is great, other people can't manipulate you into it with behavior modification efforts and, and, and scare, none of that. You have to volitionally choose. They came to him. And so some of you, you've, you've made that decision of being with Jesus. Wonderful. It's the most profound thing. It's what you were made for. Some of you, you're on the fence about that decision and you are so massively welcome here. Tyler Staten said it this way, nothing in your life will ever be more formative. So we're talking about who you're becoming, right? Nothing, listen to these words. Nothing in your life will ever be more formative or contested. Nothing in your life will ever be more formative or contested than your confidence and your assurance of God's love for you. Let me say it again the most difficult reality for you and I to embrace is that God actually loves us. The most formative, meaning how you become the person that you want to become and that Jesus has, has created you to be, the most formative influence in your life and the most contested, as in the thing that experiences the most resistance on a consistent basis throughout your entire life is your assurance of God's love for you. Because it's God's love that changes us. And it's God's love that is so easy to forget and to be distracted by. And it's so easy for our affections and our attentions to latch onto surface level things. An older um, Franciscan monk was talking to Brendan Manning and here's, here's his words to Brendan Manning as he first entered the order of the Franciscan Brotherhood. He said, once you come to know the love of Jesus Christ, nothing else in the world will seem as beautiful or as desirable. And I read that and it gripped my heart. Once you get a hold on God's love for you, nothing else in the world will seem as beautiful or desirable. There's so much, friends, that I don't know, but here's what I am absolutely confident of. I am 6,741 days more sure than I've ever been that the most important reality on this planet is being with Jesus. Because the best part of following Jesus is Jesus. Be with Jesus. You guys tracking with me? Yeah, you got it. And it might feel redundant, but it needs to be. One of the most consistent commands in Scripture is don't forget or remember. Because we are like goldfish with an attention span of 7.2 seconds, and we just can't hang on to anything before we get a ghost vibration in our pocket and we're back to what's in front of us. And Jesus said in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven, talking about this reality, this is not like something you experience once you die. It's a now and forever reality that you experience, you step into in relationship with Jesus. He said the kingdom of heaven is like, as in he's gonna give a metaphor to help us understand what it's like. like what's it like to be following Jesus? What, what are we talking about here? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that a, mound, a, a man found, stumbled upon, covered up, and then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. 
Jesus says the love of God, relationship, being with Jesus and stepping into that life is like a man who found a treasure in a field accidentally. It was worth more than anything he could possibly imagine. He covered it up, ran back home, and sold everything he had so he could buy that field because of the treasure that he had found. Everyone on the outside of his life thought he was crazy, sold everything he he had for a, a useless field. They couldn't see the value, but he knew he had found something worth losing everything for. You guys tracking with me? This is how Jesus describes the invitation to be with him. Listen to Dallas Willard here. This is about clarity that leads to decisiveness and joy. It is not about misery or about some incredibly dreadful price that you must pay to be Jesus' apprentice. I love that, right? Like, oh yeah, don't follow Jesus. It's going to suck, right? That's not, that's not the invitation. There is no such thing as a dreadful price for the treasure in question. Jesus is not setting up like, oh yeah, you need to you know, make sure you really want this or not. <laughs> like, dude, are you kidding? The point is simply that unless we clearly see the superiority of what we receive as his students over every other thing that might be valued, we cannot succeed in our discipleship or apprenticeship to him. We won't be able to do the things required to learn his lessons and move ever deeper into a life that is his kingdom. What's he say? If you can't get your head around the love of God consistently, daily, routinely, in community, and alone, you're going to constantly be robbed of the formation of becoming someone. Why? Because there's no motivation. If guilt and fear and shame are your motivators to become a person of love, you're going to constantly grit your teeth, try harder, and then be disappointed and frustrated, and then be done with it. But if love is the motive, it's the superiority of, like, I've got to get my hands on this. I want this. It's better than anything else out there. If you can have that kind of vision, following Jesus changes massively. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean it's easy, but the vision is so much higher and so much better that you're willing to lose anything to gain that. You guys know what that's like, right? I mean, this makes sense to you. I was sitting on the bus last night on the way back from the airport, and I listened to two college guys uh, talk about uh, uh, their weekend plans. It was 10 p.m. almost. And, uh, and, and I listened to them for about 45 minutes. I was trying to keep my kid from falling on the floor because he's falling asleep. And so I'm like, you know, eavesdropping unintentionally. And, and I'm just listening to them talk about, like, they're just bragging about, you know, the bender they're going to go on when they get home. And then, and then they're bragging more like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I, weed gummies. I think I need one of those a night. And then six, six beers. And, you know, they're just talking about all these different substance abuse things in order to kind of just survive. Basically, like, bragging, but also, also, kind of semi-acknowledging, like, I need these things to survive. It was kind of interesting to them. And, and, and I listened to them both go back and forth, and they, like, bragged, you know, oh, yeah, I need six beers, and oh, I need seven. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm listening, and no, no judgment at all, because I totally understand that life. But I'm just listening, and, and I'm listening to what sounds like the apex of their life. They're, they're, they're almost, you know, getting ready to graduate, one of them, listening and all that, and this is, if they're listening online, love you guys, so for you. Um, but, but as I'm listening, I'm like, this, this is the epitome of life. Like, this, is the, this is the good life for them, genuinely. The, the, their idea of like the epitome of life, the vision that they're living into is like, how many beers can I get in me before I pass out? Oh man, because when I was 21, I could put six beers in me and then really, but man, six beers now and I'm going to bed. It was just an interesting conversation. I just listened to them talk about the good life. <laughs> and I was like, is that really the best that you have in front of you? Like, that's, that's the ultimate vision you have for life is, is just another weed gummy to get you through an evening so you can sleep? A few more beers on the evening with the boys? I, I mean, no, no hate, right? No judgment at all because everybody's got their stuff. Just kind of like, is that the best? 
Because there's a culture around them that says absolutely. And, and, and I bet that when they start, well, maybe when they started college, I, I bet there was a season in all of our lives when they probably didn't dream of like, that's who I'm becoming. But now that's the vision. And, and all I had was compassion in my heart. I'm like, dude, yeah, I mean, I, I love a good beer. And I had like one of the, an amazing cocktail on the beach. Well, I was, man, you guys heard of, 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 of a painkiller? Bro. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, I'm all about, I'm, I'm down for enjoying God's goodness. But if that's the best that you've got, and part of me wants to want to turn around and be like, oh, man. Have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Like, no, right, I'm not going to do that. It's so weird. But at the same time, like genuinely, I'm like, man, there's so much more for you in Jesus. And you can still enjoy a drink if you want to, <laughs> as long as it's not abusive and killing your liver and hurting others, right? Like, but man, I, you know, there was this unique space, no judgment of just like, wow, that's, that's the vision of the good life. And I, and I just wonder how many people are settling for some version of the American dream or, or just whatever the people around you say is the good life and and, or whatever the next thing is, that next ladder to climb, you know, it's just, oh, that's the good life, and that's the good life, and that's the good life. And man, what if, what if Jesus is on to something here? Can I tell you a really cool story? So I'm on this, on this cruise, and, and um, um, we're, we're at this uh, place in the Virgin Islands, and it's incredible, like, just an incredible time with our family and tons of highlights. And right, a, a big part of it is we were just talking about who you're with, right? That really makes it. Not just, I mean, it's incredible to be there, but who you're with really matters. So the highlight of the trip was, was not just where we went, and even who we were with, but what happened this day on 1-8. We're here in the Virgin Islands, and this is my Aunt Haley. And in December, we've been, I've been walking with Haley since I gave my life to Jesus at 15 years old. And she's been back and forth, you know, just kind of wrestling with her own spiritual journey and kind of grew up around the church, but then walked away from it and you know, does God even exist? And is Jesus really God? All kinds of stuff. We've been praying like crazy. She's on the prayer wall in the back. I'm gonna take a big white marker and I'm gonna circle it. By the way, if you haven't, all the prayers in the back, if you had prayers that are answered, there's white markers back there. We want you to circle them so that we can start celebrating the answered prayers from our last season in the fall. But this is my inhaling. And over the course of, of 18 years, we've been having spiritual dialogue. And in December, she gave her life to Jesus. She made the decision. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I'm, I'm still freaking out about it, okay? We went from like not even sure God exists to we started praying for a miracle. She had this crazy God moment and then she's reading the scriptures for herself for the first time. She reads the scene where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet and something just hits her in the heart like, whoa, this image of Jesus and his love. And then she goes to sleep and then like a, a night later, she has this dream of Jesus washing her feet and it wrecks her. And I'm like, let's go. That's the stuff happening in India. Yeah, we've been praying for that. And so then she gives her life to Jesus. It's incredible. And then we've been meeting we, you know, every other week or whatever. And I'm like, yo, the next thing that Jesus says to do is to get baptized. What do you think, like, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to get baptized. I'm like, let's go. We're going to be on a cruise together. There's a whole bunch of water. So let's do it. And so we go here, and this is the moment. Check this out. Haley, Haley goes under the water. Check out this wave. It, like, came the second, like, gone. Both of us were underwater. It was great. And we both got baptized, and then she comes up, and then look at this moment right here. Bam. Look at that. Put your hands together. Come on. It's so cool. This is a moment. This is a moment of God doing amazing things of helping Haley get her heart and mind around his love for her. And he used myself and Danielle and my family and all, I mean, all kinds of different things. So no, there's no hero here except for Jesus, okay? It's been a long road. We've seen some amazing prayers answered. But this is a huge moment of, of Haley celebrating her decision to be with Jesus. 
But I want to make something very clear. This is not the finish line. This is the starting line. Haley has made the volitional decision to be with Jesus and we're celebrating with her. But now she has the incredible invitation to become like Jesus and do what he did. This is just the starting line for Haley. And she knows that. She's very aware of that. She's full of joy and excitement over all that God is doing in her life. And this is the invitation to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do what he did, that the love of God would so fill our minds that it gives us a vision of who we want to become and gets us out of the things we get stuck in. And we get around community that carries that same vision. It's why groups and weekend gatherings are so important because you on your own, you just, you get distracted and you forget, don't you? But when you have someone else come up beside you and they bump up against you and they give you a helpful story or they encourage you or they pray over you or they, or, or they give you words of encouragement and then that vision comes back. It's practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and Willard summarizes it this way, whoever hears the words of, of Jesus, whoever hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and does them is like those intelligent people, I love that he uses this language, who build their house upon the rock, standing firm against every pressure of life. Jesus wraps up his most profound teaching in the New Testament by saying, those who hear my words and put them into practice are the people that become the kind of people where their lives don't move under the pressures around them. Jesus is massively interested in our behavior. But, but not from a place of legalism, but rather a place of love. It would be massively unloving if I did not care about my children's behavior. Would you agree? If, if I just didn't care about the character arc of their life, and I just kind of left them to their own devices, and I, I just let them kind of figure out life on their own, and just assume they're going to become people of love, I'd only have one kid, <laughs> probably. Because the other one, one of them wouldn't survive. It'd be like Lord of the Flies in my house. It'd be massively unloving of me not to care about who my kids are becoming. But how I care is what is most important. Would you agree? Because if, if, if dad comes at them from a guilt and shame and fear-based approach to character formation, they might, they might do it. But it's going to be separate from real transformation on the inside. But if it comes from love and grace a vision of who, they, who, who I see in them, who they're becoming and who they want to be, if they have received that love from mom and dad over and over again and they know what it looks like and they know it's better than living a selfish life and a destructive life, that, then, then there's an arc that they actually want to chase after. That's the love of God for you and I. He cares massively about who we're becoming. There is no truth with Jesus apart from a way with Jesus. The door is massively wide open, but the way is narrow. You don't perform for it. You walk with Jesus in it. It's invitational. And so we see Jesus model this for us over and over again. Let me show you this in Luke 6 as we wrap up our time. How do you, how do you press into the rhythms of being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus and do what he... This, we see this a lot, but I'll show you in Luke 6. This is one of the moments of Jesus' rhythm. In those days, he, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples, chose 12 of them, named them apostles, and he came down with them, stood in a level place with a great crowd of disciples and a great multitude of people. 
from Judea, Jerusalem, and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. So we see in Jesus, and we see this over and over again. This is just a snapshot in Luke 6 of, of the, let me, let me say it like this, the pattern of Jesus' life. Right, so if we're, if we're to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what our rabbi did, what was the pattern of Jesus' life? Let me argue for you today that the pattern of Jesus' life was all about relationships. His relationship with the Father, every, he's consistently, day and night, pulling away to be alone with God in prayer. He would have had the scriptures memorized as a rabbi, and as a young Jewish boy. He's pulling away to be with the Father. And then he calls his disciples, his community, his close-knit community, and then there's a bigger crowd. So he has the 12, and then the three, and then, then there's multitudes of disciples, followers of Jesus, what we would now look at as the church today, other followers of Jesus alongside him. But then it doesn't stop there. Jesus intentionally comes down off the mountain to that level place where a great multitude of people, those who are not yet in the family of God, those who do not yet look like, behave like, think like, care the worldview of, none of that when it comes to following Jesus. He comes to engage them. And we see him consistently engaging in his relationship with God, his relationship with his followers, and then his relationship with the world around him, those who did not yet know Jesus. This is the pattern of Jesus' life, and this is the pattern and the paradigm that you and I can lay on our lives. What does it look like to follow Jesus? We call it the 5% life here at City, City Church, and I'll give it to you as we wrap up our time. The 5% life is very simply taking 5% of, our, uh, of your time, the starting place, not a, not, not a finish line, okay? 5% of your time throughout a week and investing it into four different relationships like we see Jesus do. And from this, you begin to see the fruit of becoming intentionally a person of love. So number one is get alone. We see Jesus get alone consistently to be reminded of the love of God, to receive the love of God, to be formed of the love of God, to have the truth of God reshape his worldview and his thinking. It resets his agenda, the agenda of those around him, so he knows God's will, God's heart, God's agenda for that day. It's amazing how consistently Jesus pulls away to get alone. And this is for you and I, time spent daily with Jesus. Or 1% of your day. Again, starting line, not finish line. And if you've gone through growth track, you're familiar with this, but you need to hear it again. This is invitational, but 1% of your day is 15 minutes. 15 minutes that you set aside daily to just get alone, to be quiet. And we've given you tons of resources and, and you know, the scriptures in front of you, the Bibles are our gifts to you, journals. Uh, there, there's, there's a bunch of cars on how to create a God time plan. You're like, I have no idea how to spend time with Jesus. Welcome to the club. I was 15 years old, never even opened a Bible. Jesus changed my life. I'm like, I am in, let's go. Let's figure this out getting along with Jesus. Honestly, one of the cool things about Haley's journey was she opened the scripture for herself. Not what, what did Drake say or what did mom say or what did anyone say? What does Jesus say? And as she read the scriptures for herself, God reveals his love to her. So time alone with number two is, is getting together. And this is time spent weekly in a weekend gathering. Well done. You did it. Put your hands together. Let's go. As silly as it is at times, we, we, we put high priority on on gathering weekly in community. Not that you can't ski and go on vacation and do all those things, right? Like, but there would be an emphasis and a priority when you're able to be here consistently and gathering community. And this is not just sitting and listening to someone teach and to worship. This is using your gifts to serve. This is, by the way, can we put our hands together for everyone serving today? If you received a good, good cup of coffee, you're welcomed by our, our welcome team who stood out in negative temperatures for you. Let's go. Those that are watching your kids right now, they're amazing. All of those spaces, our prayer team is going to be serving you in the back. Production that's running these slides as we speak. The sound is on. All those amazing things. We come together, and we're, we're not only together, but we use our gifts to serve one another. 
It's another invitation from the life of Jesus together in community. But it's also getting close. Getting close is, and again, that's 1% of your week. That's roughly an hour and a half, what you gave today. But getting close is also 1% of your week, an hour and a half of your time. This is a city group where you pull away from a large gathering, shoulder to shoulder, and you get face to face with people who look you in the eye and love you like Jesus would. With all the accountability that comes with it. It's an incredible space of encouragement and building up and iron sharpens iron, all that stuff of helping us be formed through intentional community. And the last thing is get out. Leave. Go. We're done. It's a joke. Getting out is the space of living intentionally on mission where you live, work, and play. This is 2% of your week or three hours of your time. And that might be overwhelming to you at first, but we say, listen, you have three hours of time everywhere you look throughout your week. This is your lunch break. This is a meeting with someone at work. This is why you're in class. This is why you're at the gym. This is why you're rock climbing. This is why you're uh, uh, skiing or snowboarding. I was talking to Greg, who's on the mountain today. We talked about how he's going to try to have spiritual conversations while he's on the, on the ski lift going up and down because people are trapped there. They can't get away. You know, it's pretty good. Um, and, and so the idea is just intentionally looking at the life that you already live and connecting others to the love of God. And we want to equip you in all of this. And this series is going to do the work of that. All of this is invitational. And all of it is for you. This is not an invitation into just behavior modification, try a little harder. This is an invitation to relationship that leads to formation. Next week, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little bit more work around community and, and what it means to practice the way of Jesus together in Boulder. But today, I want to highlight this incredible love of God for you and I. When we get that in front of us, it changes everything. You've heard of the, the phrase, stop and smell the roses, right? The idea behind that phrase is that you and I would slow down enough to bring the rose in front of us and actually receive and appreciate all that's actually there. To get close to it, to take it all in visually and, th and through the stimulation of smell and feel all of that. And you and I have the same opportunity to stop and smell the roses, if you will, in our being with Jesus, to get close, to take it all in, to get alone, and then to get together, to be reminded as we worship through song and teaching and the scriptures and prayer, and then to get close in community where we find accountability and we are transparent and we talk about what's good and what's not working and where we need to grow and we work through it together and then living on mission where we live, work, and play. As imperfectly as we do this, to share the love of God with those around us. This is the pattern of Jesus' life. And as apprentices to Jesus, this can be the pattern of our life. So as we wrap up our time, I want to say thank you to everyone who's a team member here at City Church who uses their time to serve, who invests financially, all of that stuff. People ask me often, hey, like, wh wh where does City Church need the most help? Where can I get involved? And the answer is yes. We want to be a church that leads out of vision, not out of need. And, and so really the opportunity is, hey, you're a gift and you're gifted and there's a place for you here, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you think you've done or what's disqualified you or what you think you have. None of that keeps you from being a part of this family. Our desire is to meet you where you are, help you take some next steps in your spiritual journey. And, and as we step into that, one of the best ways to do it is to begin to serve alongside others and using your gifts and pressing into discovery. So we have incredible teams, weekend teams, city groups, all of that. We need people that, let me just tell you one, one of the consistent needs as City Church grows consistently, we are always needing new group facilitators and new group hosts, like constantly. 
And so, so you get into a group and you love that group and then all of a sudden, man, we need to start another one. It's a multiplication of that. By the way, Jess and Eddie are starting a new group this week. Put your hands together for them. And so we honor those who catch a vision and say, man, this is so good, I want to share it with others. And then they sacrifice their own comfort to start others. And so there's always opportunity and need for that. There's need in City Kids. There's need on the worship team. There's need in production. There's need on our welcome team. There's need on cafe. There's need everywhere. But only as far as it helps you become the person of love as you serve others. So I'm just going to invite you into this family and re-invite you into this family. And let's go into this new year with the intention of becoming more like Jesus together in Boulder. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for everyone in the room. Thank you for the space that we've had. It's been a joy uh, to step into this new year and, and, and just sit in this reality. Wow, that you desire me blows my mind because I don't even desire me sometimes. It's amazing. And, and that you desire me without qualification. You didn't, you didn't set a bunch of prereqs in front of me, ask me to shape up in a certain way, ask me to hit, hit a bunch of metrics and start doing a bunch of stuff. You just invited me to receive your love. And it changed me from the inside out. And for many of us in the room, we are apprentices, followers, disciples of you because we have made the intentional, volitional decision to respond to the love of God, to let it change us from the inside out. And for some of us, uh, that, that love has become dull. It's become out of focus. It's, 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 it's a distant rose that we can't see or smell or touch. And it's not because it's not there. It's just out of attention, out of affection. So today, would you recenter our hearts, bring it back before us, help us to truly take a deep breath in and receiving the love of God and let us be enamored with it. There are some people in the room today who have never responded to the love of God. You never made the volitional decision to say, Jesus, I trust you and your way. I want to apprentice under you. I want to follow you. Thank you for dying for my sin, being buried and rising again to save me and set me free. I want to step into that life now and forever. And if you have never made that decision of your own free will, I want you to know you're invited today to do that very thing, to have confidence, not only in that decision, but what that decision means for you now and forever. So I would encourage you, if the love of God is swelling in your heart, if the, Holy, if the Spirit of God is on your heart and mind, and you're like, this is what I've been looking for. Don't miss it today. It's not going anywhere, but there is no reason to delay in giving up everything for the treasure that's right in front of you. There is no true loss in picking up what Jesus died to make available. That's how I invite you today. If, if you're in a place where you're leaning forward, you want to make that decision, there's a place on your connection card to let us know about that. Maybe you've recently made that decision or, 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 or it's just coming kind of full circle and you've never celebrated externally through baptism. And that's just a public external celebration of Jesus' internal transformation of, of that first response to be with Jesus. And I'd invite you to celebrate like Haley did and like many others have done. Now take that next step in following Jesus as an act of love and obedience. Others of you in the room, you have questions, you need prayers. We have a team here for you. They want to serve you. But God, we invite you to speak to us. What is it that you want us to do with what you've put in front of us? We're all becoming someone. We like a vision for what you have for us. Maybe, maybe the practice of getting alone is a priority just to be with you daily. 
Maybe the practice of, of gathering weekly is important for us in this season and we need to make it a priority. Maybe the practice of getting in community and being consistent in a city group is where we're going to grow in this next season and we're going to trust you in that. And maybe the practice of growing and talking about the things that we love, letting this love become so big that we begin to share it with those around us, those who don't yet know it, both through our words and our actions. God, would we, would we all press into the pattern of your life? as we be with you, make us more like you and help us do the things that you did. Jesus, thank you for the space and lead us in response. Amen.